The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 60. Today is June 16th. I'm actually recording out of Atlanta today in a hotel. Steve, you've been a father for about one week. We're both in kind of new places. Me, literally, you. Yeah, spiritually. We got a great episode, Steve. Talking mid-June heat checks. Looking at guys who might be somewhat breaking out or worth a stream. It's kind of an interesting time of the season where... We can't quite look at some of these guys as must-adds like we do in the first month, but there's still a lot of value to be had here. So we'll look back at some of the names that we've been keeping an eye on and also look ahead to some guys who are flying under the radar who could be worth an ad for your fantasy team. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Wins Above Fantasy every Thursday morning. You can find us on the Pitcherless Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Wins Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore Verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, looking forward to the episode. How's it going out there, man? Yeah, it's great, man. Finally feels like summer. I know it was, uh, at least by, by me, uh, May was like seasonably not great. April was pretty horrible. Uh, now we're actually getting some like the heat of the summer, which it feels nice for the first few days, but then soon it's going to be like, you know, 90 and humid and you want to go right back inside to your air conditioning and your TVs to watch baseball. Yep. Uh, but it's an interesting time for fantasy. I think we were kind of talking off air. It's kind of like a lull, like, you know, trades are being talked, happened. Like, you know, uh, I, I think I saw a tweet like, I think it was Jeff Zimmerman. And he's like, whoa, only four or 15 teams put in bids in TGFBI this week. Like, we're getting to like the point where uh, you, there's fatigue kicking in. Yes. That being said, uh, there are a few names there that are that are popping up. I know we kind of talked about those pop up guys, you know, being gone already and, and not actionable as they are in, in April. But there's some bounce backs, guys that that yes. make some changes. That it, it it sort of is, you know, the April pop up guys, you know, just just of this section of the season, uh, which I think uh, is good. We got some interesting names here to talk about that I think uh, there could be some really really interesting moves that you could make and and sort of like, oh wow, I didn't realize this guy's doing that good. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. One, it's like 96, and I'm chewing on air here in Atlanta, so walking everywhere in the city has been a blast for this work trip I'm on. 
But yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying that it's like not only are there some new guys who might have been called up, we'll talk about a few of those. Um, there's some that are just kind of finding their way into playing time opportunity or putting production together where you kind of have to give it the stress test and ask if it's real. And then there's a new element that you don't get in April, which is kind of those bounce backs or people who have kind of moved on too quickly. So we'll talk about all that. And uh, yeah, we've got a, a really good list of about a dozen names here. But Steve, we wanted to kind of start with just kind of framing this up with what we've seen so far this season. And I, I think we've had a few shows. Of course, this, you know, we're probably on episode what 10 of this season so we want to give actionable advice past couple weeks have been high level show topics but we have done an april ads that we did we did hot and cold starts um as an episode we did stat cast breakouts so we've done a variety of shows already this season where we've thrown out a lot of names so we are always in the the spirit of accountability and i guess to start with the april ads check-in we wanted to review some of these because some of these guys are relevant to the discussion and otherwise it might give us a little bit of a a framework on how to basically assess some of these recommendations because not all of them are going to hit but to start with april steve i know we got a list of names that we kind of recommended as april ads does anyone jump out here for you that we wanted to hit on I, i know we talked about from first base position daniel vogelbach who just returned um, he's available still in some some industry leagues. Eric Hosmer as well, who had the ridiculous start to the season, has kind of cooled off. Uh, Nate Lowe, who has kind of been the, the one all along that we thought had the stat cast stuff. He kind of changed his profile as more of a contact hitter. Seems to be putting it all together now. Jonah Heim at catcher. Santiago Espino, uh, great lineup in Toronto. Kind of been steady on, on his production. It seems like he's very much still worthy of a roster. And then Jorge Mateo, who you've outlined is not just kind of a speed-only rabbit, but possibly more than one category there. From the April ad show, is there anything that you want to kind of highlight before uh, we kind of continue through some of the names we've talked about this season and ultimately get into some some new recommendations too? It's kind of like 50-50, right? Like there's some good, really good um, takeaways there. I think Jonah Heim is like, uh, a one catcher it's pretty clear uh you know he's got close to an 800 ops uh has you know seven or eight homers and even chipped in a steal here and there um and it's definitely been you know if you're rostering jonah heim as your your primary catcher even in one catcher leagues like you're doing fine like there's nothing which is is for the you know we've talked about ad nauseum on the show uh that's good for the catcher position uh santiago espinal that's a that's a good one uh, he's been just as good and is kind of exactly what we said like a great way to get a share of that blue jays lineup and has been good um vogelback and hosmer are kind of like you know the warning signs although uh you know on on the show that we we talked about next like we were kind of sour on hosmer waiting for that shoe to drop and it really has i think he's hitting like 200 over the last two weeks or something like that uh so it's been pretty pretty tough and and Jorge Mateo, um, you know, he's been great for speed. Um, not much else. I know there's been a few homers, but the batting average just really isn't there, and neither is the on-base for a guy that, you know, it's hard to steal bases when you don't get on base. It's like, a, you know, the old saying. But um, yeah. the one that's most interesting, I think, for now is Nate Lowe. He's been really good the last few weeks uh, and is actually starting to show some of that power that, 
you know, when he came up as a prospect with the Rays, like it was a pretty big deal. And like, it was like, Oh, this could yeah. be like a 30 homer hitting first baseman. Um, there's been some launch angle issues, like, you know, hit the ball hard, but just hasn't barreled up the ball. Uh, and he might be starting to do that. So uh, that's a name that I really keep an eye on. And it might've just taken a little bit longer uh, than we hoped for this year. But um you know, overall, it kind of shows like it's going to be like 50 50, right? Like, yeah. And that's what makes this hard because you got to hold on to the guys that are going to stick and then drop the ones that aren't. But it's well, easier said than defense, done. Yeah. In your defense, you were also quick to say, Vogelbach, we've seen this before. Yep. And, you know, so I, I know I was kind of pushing because I'm still starry-eyed from that one <laughs> month he had where he had like 11 homers or whatever yeah, it was with back the, in Seattle. Uh, with the, with the, with the Mariners. Mariners back in like yeah. 2018 or 2019, yeah. Yeah, but Lowe, you said it, I mean, it, it's like he's finding, you know, the, the power with, uh, gosh, I think it's like four homers in the past two weeks. And prior to that, he had put together kind of a Hosmer-esque contact season. So it, it seems like, as we discussed, it's it's marrying it all up. It's like what what Christian Yelich did as well. But mm-hmm. if if he can pull back um, kind of the power he had when he was a prospect with the newfound contact rates and everything, then it's a, a really good story for Nate Lowe. And then I think I think Santiago Espino is is one that we don't want we can't brush over. I mean the past past two weeks, uh, uh, ten forty five OPS. Um, pretty much playing every day as I say that I know that he, he just got a scratch but other than that it's like you know he plays nine out of ten days moving up in that lineup I think he's been batting like fifth for the for the Blue Jays so I think that one's still a really good one that we liked and he's just 55 percent rostered so kind of a uh, a, a reminder that he's yeah the same the same thing stands for us you know like it's a, it's a great great play it's like uh uh that that rostership percentage should be should be higher in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. So, skipping ahead to the next episode where we looked at kind of the hot and cold starts to look back on, we talked about Kyle Wright, we talked about Eric Hosmer, and we talked about a variety of holds, mentioning Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story, Tyler O'Neill, and Joey Votto, who's a name we're going to come back to in this episode. But what are your takeaways? I mean, more from this this bucket, Steve, that pretty much uh, a lot of these have kind of turned out the way that conventional wisdom suggested. So I know there's a lot of people out there that kind of, you know, turn a brow at StatCast data and are quick to complain about like a slow Marcus Simeon start. But this is another one that if the underlying metrics and the track record suggested it, the most of these bets kind of t- turned out the way you want it to, right? Yeah, um, it's kind of like a lesson in like just the name value. Like you, that's all you really need to look at. Like with Simeon and Story, I think that was more of um, them getting used to their new team. We've talked about how guys press and chase, uh, especially in Simeon's case, Stories too. Because uh, like you looked at their underlying numbers in the the first month and month and a half for Simeon, it was like yeah, there's not much encouraging there. And Story was striking out like it seemed like three times a game for all of April. It's like, what happened? It's like, just give them a second, especially in new new environments, right? Um, and it's been great for anyone that's bought low or held for, for Story and for Simeon. Um, it's kind of just like, all right, like these guys are not going to be 
like, like you, it's it's like look at the back of the baseball card for them. Yeah. Um, for O'Neill, like uh, you know, I think maybe he was battling something. Um, you might know a little bit better than me, being uh, tapped into Cardinal Nation, but it does seem like that shoulder was really um, causing issues because he hit that homer on opening day. It looked like everything was good to go, and then kind of really, really struggled. Um, But since he's been back, he's hitting 324 with a homer and two steals. Like, you know, that's uh, what you're going to expect from Tyler O'Neill, and he's he's been hitting the ball hard again. So maybe there was that injury there. Um, And Votto, we we can get into it later just because uh, he's he's a name on the list. But, yeah, it's just another one that's like Votto we've talked about. It's like, you know, he's Joey Votto. He's going to figure it out. Yeah, I think with the exception of Votto, this list of names with Simeon Story and O'Neill have historically been pretty streaky guys yes. and ones yes. who great call. You know, plenty of o for four days, and then when they do make their production, they're going to have monster days, and mm-hmm. that's maybe the story of all these. Is like, <laughs> you know, in the first month we have to stop, you know, going crazy next year if yeah. it's a guy like Acuna who's batting like two. 25 like if you have a, a little bit of an elevated strikeout rate there will be some peaks and valleys but the peaks are worth kind of struggling through the valleys right and for guys that are streaky like Simeon like story if they do get off like those cold starts and cold streaks could be worse just because like when things are going normal there's going to be a rough patch right like uh, yeah. up and down so maybe that's just something to consider uh with guys that have like you know Neither of them are like super high strikeout guys. Maybe that this applies for O'Neill, um, but for Simeon's story, I think it was more of like getting used to the new environment, probably pressing too much, like we've talked about with new teams and new contracts. Yeah, totally agree. And yeah, the last one that we kind of had discussed were the stack cast breakouts on our our May twelfth episode. We talked about Christian Yelich, uh, Christian Walker, Rowdy Telez, and Glaber Torres. Uh, Torres definitely looks back. That power mm-hmm. has sustained in a way that we haven't seen since 2019. Telez has kind of been interesting where he, he's on a power drought right now. He hasn't hit a home run in probably the longest stretch of this season for him. But the contact and kind of the hit tool is still there. He doesn't strike out so much that you can't pallet it. I know he's kind of a drop candidate for a lot of people right now. I think you got to give him two or three more series and see if that power comes back around. And then Christian Walker and Christian Yelich has kind of been a little bit of a mixed bag, Steve. Like, what do you see with those two? I know Yelich kind of hasn't gone the way that we really got excited about on that five or six game stretch. Yeah, um, since he's been back in the leadoff spot, it's been pretty interesting. Um, This just might be who he is, though. Uh, You know, it might be like a 760 OPS with... 18 homers and 20 steals, which is still really good, right? Like, right. you know, I know it's not like, oh, go out and buy low on Christian Yelich. Like, you're going to get a, an, an absolute league winner or anything like that. Um, but it, it's probably it's somewhere in between, um, which isn't that that bad. Um, Walker, uh, I, I like, he was a must-add. I think, you know, despite the lowish average, like, he's up to, what, 16 or 17 homers? So, like... He is providing absolute value for you, no matter what. I know I have him in a few leagues, and it's like, you know, you exp- you're seeing a homer from like once every three days. Uh, Telez, I, I actually just dropped today for Kendall Graveman, with the um, news that Liam Hendricks is out indefinitely. Uh, he's just still not hitting lefties 
well. Um, and, and they're playing him, which is good. Like they were talking about on Rates and Barrels, uh, how like you can kind of see what teams are doing as far as determining if they're a play, platoon player. Like, are they giving him shots? Like, uh, right. And they are, which is good, but there just hasn't been the results there. And without the power, um, I'm sure there'll be another run coming for him, though. Like, if he hits a home run, like, there might be, uh, you know, three in the next five days. So uh, definitely be be watching that um, for sure. And Torres, like, he looks like the old, like, pretty much the old Glaber Torres, at least, you know, 2018 Glaber Torres, not maybe 38 homers, but uh, he's already passed, what, the last two years combined uh, for homers. So right. Torres, I know he was sitting out there on wires, like, in mid-April, uh, and it just looks like a, a, a great ad uh, and should continue to be you know, uh, a value in that Yankee lineup all summer long. Yeah, and I think the, the impetus on walking through all these is to just kind of serve as a reminder that as we talk through these names, it's our job to kind of grasp at, at straws, see who might be out there that could be actionable. Not every single one of these is going to be a home run, but enough. if you take enough shots here, you will kind of luck into the Glaber Torres, um, you know, the Nathaniel Lowe, the Santiago Espinal, and that a lot of times it's, it's part of just that process of looking at who's been hot, kind of going through that process of stream and see what happens and, and checking kind of the, the back of the baseball card, like you mentioned, alongside what we've seen this season, whether it's you know, changes to a pitch mix or a swing change or stat cast data. So we'll go through all of it. But anything else to add, Steve, before we kind of No, I I, I think you sort of uh, summed it up perfectly. Like, I I don't know. I feel like this is kind of the meat and bones of our show, like these sort of player analysis and episodes. And, like, it's kind of, like, good to look back and, like, use it as a a litmus test. It's like, all right, here's a guy we talked about. We hit on a, a good amount and, like, there were some, you know, warning. We try to find the warning flags and like red flags on, on some of the guys like Hosmer to be like, okay, this he looks just like Telez and Walker, but maybe you should go with one of the other two, um, which is what we try to do. And I think yeah. we've been all right at it. So uh, let's do it some more. Let's do it. So we're starting off with a not very sexy name in Kyle Farmer, shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, You know, he definitely feels like kind of a utility middle infield guy for fantasy rosters, but he's been playing every day with the Reds, batting fifth right now. And with India coming back, Votto coming around, that lineup might not be as as brutal as, you know, we viewed it in the first month of the season. And past month, Farmers looked pretty hot, uh, batting 403 with an 1,100 OPS. And maybe the best part about it all, Steve, is, is the plate discipline with just nine strikeouts in the past month versus six walks. It's it's kind of the best part of, of Farmer's game, but he's mixed in four homers and two steals in that time frame with 20 RBIs. So things are looking, you know, on the surface, very good for Kyle Farmer. If you've, you know, got a shortstop who's gone down for injury or you just need to kind of mix, you know, a contact type of hitter into your roster. What are you seeing with Farmer here? Do you think this is kind of a stream now see what happens or are you rushing out for this one where are you at with farmer uh i think so i think it's a i think it's a stream now and see what happens um the reds overall have been like you know better than what they were in april like i know that's not saying much because they were what like 
two and twenty three or something to start Brutal. the season, something ridiculous like that. Like they took like two or three from the Braves and like lost twenty in a row, uh, which is hilarious in its own right. Um, but yeah, I know Farmer had a good stretch last year too. He still had sixteen homers, so like the pop is kind of there. Like that's not bad uh, considering you know the environment because that he's still on this same pace with this ball and the, what the run environment's been um, for last year. Um, and you know what he's done so far is 11% better than league average at a 111 WRC plus. Uh, the contact percentage and, and O swings are both better, so that sort of backs up the gain in, in plate discipline. Um, so yeah, like I don't see any reason why you can't sort of prorate out what he's done uh, to like a, a 15, 10. 275 season which is pretty good in deep leagues especially like 15 teams or more kyle farmer's probably already gone and and if not should be like uh he is definitely an an ad if he's still out there yeah it's kind of a weird season for him as a baseball player because he's been pretty brutal in the field and last year that was kind of where he shined um i think under the hood the outside of plate discipline What's been the biggest change is that he's hitting the ball harder, which isn't saying much. His hard hit last year was a 31.9%, which is not good at all. This year it's up to 39.4, which is pretty good. Better. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it's good. better. Yep. And um, so I think, yeah, I think this is definitely one, certainly if you have a team need where it's it's worth the fill. The only thing to kind of throw some cold water on it for him, and I know we'll talk about Votto, is they do have a little bit of a tough stretch coming up with the Brewers, the Dodgers, and the Giants, so some pretty good pitching staffs there. But I think overall, yeah, this one uh, I would vote as kind of a stream, and if it starts turning nasty because the other underlying metrics, like barrel rate, still like sub-20th percentile and everything. So um, he, He's a great deep league stuff and things guy. Exactly. Perfectly said. So let's move over to Adam Duvall, and this was one – from our show preseason, Steve, with Ariel Cohen, where he was huge on Duvall as one of the best values for projections of the draft in terms of ADP. Duvall kind of came out struggling mightily, so he's pretty universally available, just batting 209 on the year. Um, but in the past two weeks, batting 286 with a 1080 OPS and five homers. This is Duvall, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's ups and downs. With Ozzy Albies, unfortunately, going on on the 60-day IL, there's going to probably be a little bit of lineup opportunity for Atlanta. Um, what do we think for Duvall here? Is this one that you're rushing out to or similar to Farmer where kind of add based on team need? Anywhere I need power, which is basically everywhere um, this year, uh, I, I'd be looking to grab Adam Duvall uh, if he's not already scooped up. Like This guy goes on insane heaters. Um, he's... Uh, starting one right now with the you know uh i think it's three homers in the last five games five in the last two weeks mm-hmm. um yeah so uh, i i think that despite the awful start like duval still may come close to that those preseason projections like rest of the season um you know everywhere has got him from 12 to 18 homers like i lean closer to 18 uh at, at, at least like i would not be shocked if duval got to got to 30 homers um by the end of the year one way or the other like 
uh, sure, it might not be the 38 homers and league-leading 113 RBIs, but you know, uh, this this sort of happened last year when he got traded when he when he got traded to Atlanta and uh, uh, went on that run with the Braves. Like, right? Like the Braves didn't like reach 500 until like August, and like part of that reason was Duval and Soler going absolutely off. So, you know, you, you can speak to it. It'll probably get a, a lot hotter. Um, in Atlanta, it's a humid city, and that's where the humidor should um, have a big impact, at least positively, for, for, for guys like this. Mm-hmm. Um, power hitters, fly ball hitters. So uh, I really like Duval and think that there is another 2021 like run in, in, his, in his bat coming. Um, maybe yeah. not to the full effect, but close to it. Yeah, I, I think a couple other things to like about Duvall is for a guy who you kind of look at as, as just kind of like a power specialist, you'd think that he's just kind of deadpool, and he actually hits like to all fields, which is really solid. And, I mean, I know right now for pull power, you kind of want that, but right now a lot of his home runs have been center and even opposite field, so he has that working in his favor. And on top of that, I think another thing is like when you look at the barrel rate, the past three or four seasons, it's been elevated like around like a 15%. And so far this year, that's been down at like a 10.9%. So I think even like, I I feel like he, he's more of a, his natural skill set is a barrel rate that is closer to like a 14 to 16% range. So I think there could even be improvement from what we've seen. So I, I'm totally with you that um, I think right now is a perfect time to kind of pounce on on Duvall and ride the the power train here. Um, anything else? To, yeah, I'm to trying to I'm one? trying to pull up uh, the the roll the rolling barrel percentage, which I would think is like on a on an upward trend. But uh, uh, let me For just sure. uh, have yeah. A and while, while you're looking here. that up, he's just 36 percent rostered in Yahoo League. So I mean. Very, very available for Duvall. If if um, he's out there on the wire, I think it's a, a great opportunity to add. Yeah, the 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 Woba is just like a, a, a straight, strict line up. Uh, basically, since like the calendar has, you know, it's since you know uh, his two hundredth plate appearance. So with that, you know the 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 exit velocity and launch angle are just the same sort of way. He's Finally, above league average on, on exit velocity in that same timeline, um, and and the the launch angle too. It's uh, it's trending up. So everything that that looks good, or that you want to see, you know, trending in the right direction for Duval is going that way. So um, I'm buying another like you know midsummer heater for for Duval so for sure. He'll, he'll probably add some this weekend. Go out and grab him. He's in Wrigley against the Cubs this weekend. So as this show airs, oh, yeah. that's a nice power streamer there for Duval. So moving over to Joey Votto. We talked about Kyle Farmer, so teammate here Votto. This one's just incredible, Steve. I can't believe Votto is still just 67% rostered in Yahoo leagues. We know that Votto's a points league monster. He always has been. I know he's kind of uh, traded out some plate discipline for power, but after one of the worst starts uh, with with what happened in April with Votto, those who held on are completely being rewarded. The past month, he is batting 282 with a 1019 OPS, 15 walks, 16 strikeouts, five homers, 19 RBI, 
everything under the hood looks like this is basically a more extreme version of what happened last year. And at this point, I just don't understand how you're not rushing out to add. Like, Vada was practically 100% rostered after drafts. He's now, if you, if you just eliminated that first month, he's showing everything that we were hoping he could be. So this one to me is just underlined, circle it. I know I'm biased. He's my chalkboard guy, but we were both interested going into the season. I think this one is, is just a no-brainer for me. But what, what do you think on Votto and how he's turned it around this season? Yeah, uh, I mean, it was that bad in April, and then he was out for a long time, which, you know, who knows what Joey Votto did to fix his swing during that time. That's probably more of a good thing than anything. But, yeah, uh, it's another thing like Duval, Like, he's on it, and another one's coming. Like, uh, stretches go. He's He's been on the record saying, like, I feel I'm ready to have the hottest stretch of my career, like, power-wise coming up. Like, And it looks like he's primed to do that, so... You know the 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 thirty three percent of leagues that he's still out there in. Like I I, I would make a move now um, and, and sort of uh, get ready for this the, the, this run here. Uh, he should be a starting first baseman on in pretty much any league. Yeah, the hard hit rate says it all. In mm-hmm. April, twenty six percent brutal. In May, fifty two percent, and in June, fifty one percent. Those clips in May and June are basically top 10 players in the league. So, yeah, this this is Votto, and I think he, he's pretty much back. Now, if the if the barrel rate can tick back up, um, because it, it has since he started, but it was 20% in April, it's been 13% in June. So, you know, you take the middle of it, and it's pretty much 95th percentile type of barrel stuff since that brutal month. So, yeah, I think it's... Uh, rush to the to the wire and add Votto if he's somehow still available in your leagues. All right, we are going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so Steve, Garrett Cooper for the Miami Marlins. This one, uh, maybe I'm being unfair here, but lumping him in with Kyle Farmer is just a name that you feel like is always out there. You're not getting too excited about You think you know him, but Cooper is impressive, man. When you look at what he did in the short season he had last year, uh, he was out for the whole second half with an elbow sprain, but he looked good. And you mentioned him, I think it was last episode, but he is certainly breaking out this year. In the past month, batting 390 with a 1020 OPS, um, also just 16 strikeouts in that time, which is you'll, you'll take that plate discipline. Uh, a couple homers, 15 RBIs, but batting in a great spot in that order, even though it's not the best lineup context. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on Garrett Cooper as a help for a corner infield or a first base hole? Now, this is not really fair because the game totals aren't great, but Garrett Cooper's WRC plus across the last three seasons, 133, 134, 145. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Garrett wow. Cooper, yeah, it was just 34 games in the shortened 2020 season, 71 last year and 53 this year, but, like, this guy can hit, man. Like, uh, it, it's 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 been mid eight hundred OPSs over the last three seasons, um, you know. And the season before that, he popped fifteen homers in one hundred seven games. So, uh, I, I I think that Garrett Cooper, as long as he could stay healthy, which has been his issue, uh, is going to provide a lot a lot of value um, the the rest of the season. The, the strikeout rates down, the contact percentage is the best career, the best it's been of his career. Chase rates the best. Cons- per, um, percentage of his career uh and he's got a, a low homer to fly ball rate he's you know been around 20 percent for his career and he's got just 10.5 percent this year so there might be some more homers coming uh as that sort of regresses the mean there um the the exit velocity numbers are all in line like yeah man uh 10.6 percent power rate for garrett cooper sign me up yeah, I, I was just impressed with the the splits as well. That in past seasons, if you wanted to nitpick, there has been some struggles against right-handed pitchers. This season, he's batting three fifteen with an eight seventy three against right-handed pitchers. So um, another one who hits to all fields. And yeah, I think this is all systems go that uh, very very worthy of a stream and see if he can kind of keep it up. But yeah, I just don't know that. I feel like this is a rare high floor type of guy uh-huh. at this stage in the season. That's it's, it's another like boring name, right? Like, you know, uh, right. it, it, if it wasn't, if it was somebody else, like, you know, I don't know, a, a higher rated prospect that we were waiting on, um, there would be a lot more hype around him. But I think Garrett Cooper is just boring enough, at least name value wise, that there could be a lot, a lot of actual um, value to be had here. Yeah, and, and extremely available, 37% rostered. It's going down because he missed like two mm-hmm. games from mm-hmm. the COVID IL, mm-hmm. but he's his production has not tailed off at all. I think he's batting like 400 in the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, this one is extremely available, and I think it's a, a high floor option where he's not going to kill you on off weeks, but plenty of production in between there. So, yeah, I don't know if you got anything else on, on Cooper, but... We're both uh, thumbs up on this. Yep, one. I think he has first base and outfield eligibility in most places too, which is which is a nice little combo there. So let's move over to the Cubs and, and talk about Christopher Morel, who this one is a, a little surprising for me, Steve. I know he's he's extremely young. I mean, we've seen very little. He's just 22 years old, but in the minors, his numbers don't like completely jump off. Like the average has kind of come up and down. He's shown that he's kind of a, a power speed guy. He's had some some big seasons. I mean, you know, in 100 games at, at AA in Chicago, 17 homers, 16 steals is great. That was with a 220 average. But it's been really impressive what he's done in the, the 25 games since he's been up with the Cubs. Batting 277 uh, with a 357 OBP and a 475 slug and three homers, six steals so far for Morrell. And certainly on local broadcasts, they're talking about just all of the the rumblings that this is going to be kind of a cornerstone for the new build for the Cubs. Uh, what are you seeing with Morel, Steve? Because part of me is a little apprehensive that 
it's just not as good as we've seen. But I think, uh, you know, at the same time, what he's, I guess, based on his minor league numbers, but what he's done so far in the 25 games we've seen him has looked like he might be developing in the majors, I guess. Yeah, um, the biggest thing to me and the thing that jumps off the page is the fact that he cut his strikeout rate. Um, when he had that good, you know, counting stat season uh, in in double A in 2021, it came with a 29.7% strikeout rate. The walks were still there, 9.8%, but, you know, with that uh, led to that low 220s average and just a 101 WRC plus, which is, you know, why he wasn't jumping up on any prospect lists or any big name but in double a um when he repeated the level to start the year he cut that back down to 25 percent that held at 26 percent when he was promoted to triple a and just nine games there um you know had a homer and hit 257 and then when he was called up that's held he's striking out just 25 percent of the time in the majors walking 10.3 percent of the time um and you know with that comes the power and speed and a decent average what I'm concerned about is the adjustment. I think that's starting to come. Um, this last four, week, he's hit four, stri- four strikeout game. Yeah, four strikeout game. I mean, it was the Yankees. Like the, their pitching staff has been absolutely on fire. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's hit 227, but it has a homer and a 761 OPS. Which, if that's the adjustment week, like that's not bad at all. Um, so yeah, the, the plate skills, uh, are, are what's most important. And someone in the discord said, I think it was, uh, Christopher Weber, Swebzy, uh, host of, uh, in the deep talked about, it. it's like, uh, you, you kind of like guys like this cause they don't have like the hit tool to be able to just like swing away and hit everything. So they need to have good plate discipline. And that's sort of what's happening here. And you pair that with a 12.2% power rate, um, a good max EV of 113 miles an hour. And yeah, you're going to get your first stretch in the major league career, putting up a 131 WRC plus. Again, I think there is going to be a bit of an adjustment period. I don't think it's going to be like a runaway rookie of the year. Like this is the pace and what to expect, but it's probably a lot better than what most people thought, at least when he came up. Yeah. And just the speed output, I think is, is for real where, you know, he's, he's, for the Cubs, they don't have much to lose, so he's definitely attempting a lot of steals. He's proven in the minors that he can put up a high volume there. So even if it, I don't know, rounds out as like a 245 type of guy, but some pop, some speed, uh, I think you you definitely look at this as a guy who could develop. He has upside, but I think the floor is kind of that Harrison Bader-esque power speed combo with a question mark average, I guess. Um Speaking of Bader, let's talk about a little St. Louis Cardinal here, Steve. Brendan Donovan, who has, uh, in Cardinals fashion, come up with kind of a a utility type of role and all through the minors kind of had some stuff and things. Uh, Ben Zobristy profile as well, but much better plate discipline than Morrell, who we were just talking about. Kind of all throughout the minors has hovered around like a 16% strikeout rate. And he can definitely take a walk, but he is being used all around the diamond for the Cardinals, which was kind of the question with like Nolan Gorman coming up, uh, Juan Yapez, Pujols still for like the box office factor. Is Donovan going to get the volume? But so far, he kind of has in a weird way and batting 308 with an 807 OPS in the past month. What are your thoughts, Steve? 
Uh, man, more Cardinal Devil magic, man. Uh, I think this I said it. it on a few episodes ago, right? Like, uh, I forget who we were talking about. Uh, maybe it was Gorman or maybe it was Yepes, but, like, you know, Brendan Donovan is the guy who's going to be Cardinal Devil magic, and that's kind of what it is. But, yeah, I mean, it's an 855 OPS for a guy that doesn't hit the ball that hard. Like, that's what, uh, you know, good plate skills or elite plate skills in, in, in this case is, is going to do for you. Um, sure, there might not be much power and much speed, but like it could be like David Fletcher esque. He does have two steals. Like I was thinking, I was thinking Cronenworth. Cronenworth. Like Cronenworth uh, I don't know if he has light. that. I don't know if he has that much power or speed, though. Right? Like Cronenworth. Pete Cronenworth is like twenty twelve, right? With maybe a little bit worse average. Uh, I, I could be wrong there, but okay, yeah. I mean. That's that's fair. The power the power is not as high. So yeah, Fletcher might be a better one. I, like well, peak I mean, we David talked about Fletcher, like when he was actually rostered okay. on teams. Like I know David Fletcher now is like not uh, a case. Maybe you know there there there's a better comp out there. But um, well, what about Lemayhew? I mean, he's he's hovered around like 300 at every level of the minors. I know his projections <sighs> have him as like a 260 guy. I'm not saying peak pre, LeMahieu, yeah, but pre, at this point. Pre-power breakout LeMahieu, right. definitely. Yeah, that that's probably a better call. Yeah, and all around the, like the diamond ten, on eligibility. Ten, ten homers maybe, uh, six steals with you know a, a 300 average. Like, yeah, I, I buy that. Yeah, no, that's fair. Let's notch up the speed a little bit and talk about a guy who I've been uh, very invested in so far, Steve. I know we were text and like the moment he got called up because it was a shocker but michael harris the second mh2 here down in atlanta here for my local take uh harris all the question marks were the fact that he got called up from double a so skipping triple a everyone was worried if he'd be overmatched and he really hasn't been i mean the the plate discipline he's going to strike out like 25% of the time. That's kind of part of his game, but he has a good hit tool and elite speed that is just starting to appear. And this is a guy who seems extremely under rostered for me. And I think with the fact that he's so far on the season line, batting 293 with a 783 OPS, the speed is there. He's, he's in the nine spot, which is kind of the mini leadoff hitting right in front of Acuna for him to just be 27% rostered, I think Michael Harris II is is criminally under-rostered, and I, I'm pretty excited here. But what are your thoughts on what Harris has shown uh, in the cup of coffee so far? Um, I am also rostering him in my home league, so uh, I am very invested as well. I think I also have him in uh, uh, the pitcherless staff league or, or one, other, uh, one other league too, so... Uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Like, he did well. Like, you know, I think, like, the first or second game he had uh, one of those doubles in Arizona off that ridiculously high uh, wall out there in center field that would have been a homer. You know, on on the Twitter, uh, shout-out to Wood It Dong, at Wood It Dong. It's a great, great, great yeah, Twitter yeah. account uh, that just shows you would the would it dunk uh where the ball and how many ballparks yeah. and everything how many ballparks yeah. would be home it was like 29 out of 30 like uh you know one of those uh the opposite of the unicorn where it's like the one out of 30 to the short porch in yankee stadium or like pesky pole in uh in fenway um but yeah he's held his own and like now it looks like he's starting to get comfortable he's got a homer and two steals in the last seven games like 
you know, so all of that's been recent. Um, he's not striking out too much. Sure, you would like to see him take a few more walks, just at three point three percent. But it's not like he's doing that and striking out thirty percent of the time. Like, uh, you know, he's still got um, plate skills that are in line with what he's done in the minors. And like, you know, this is a, this is a five tool player. He's played every day. He's played center field. Um, Albies is out for the year. Maybe he does move up. Uh, but like you said, like. Hitting in in front of technically Acuna, I know that, that it's going to hurt the plate to, uh, the plate appearance totals, but like it's still a decent spot, like probably the best nine hole in all of baseball uh, when Acuna is in leadoff. So uh, yeah, I, I I really like it. Um, I know he was like a big fab spender, you know, cost a lot in TGFBI or any uh, NFBC leagues, but in those daily leagues, yeah, he's definitely criminally underrated. I agree with you there. Yeah, I, I think um, there's just enough to be excited about where if, you know, pitchers do adjust, the K rate does go up. It's not like you can't drop them. But um, right now with the average, the speed, Atlanta's off- offense and team in general have just been firing on all cylinders. So it just feels like it should be closer to like 50% than 27 So go fix it. Hey guys, quick production note. We recorded this and the Braves played after. Michael Harris went three for five with another homer, two RBIs and a double. All the more reason to go pick up Michael Harris. Just wanted to throw in that little post-production note. Gavin Lux is another one, Steve, that we've had our eyes on for a couple years here. And quietly, he's been putting up uh, a nice little run here, even though he's another one who's batting at the, the back end of the order, usually eighth or ninth. But on the year, batting 296, a 375 OBP, 385 slug you'd like to see come up. But I love the gains just on the StatCast page of what he's done with like his whiff rate and also just his ability to take a walk. Uh, but yeah, last last two weeks also has a OPS over 1,000. So this has kind of been the, the litmus test for Lux this year because the Dodgers are probably trying to evaluate if they want to keep him or move on, what it means for renewing Trey Turner's contract. Um, but Lux is kind of doing it. It's not really a breakout from like a pop standpoint, but he, I would say he's he's kind of adding value here. What do you think on, on Lux? Definitely. It's just hard to buy in with the underlying numbers, but I don't know. And then there's also the fact that like his best power season came in 2019 in the PCL with the rabbit ball. Like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to buy into someone that's put up like a career four and a half percent power rate um, in, in the majors um, to be this this power hitter that he, he we thought he was when he hit twenty six homers across uh, you know a hundred and ten um, minor league games in twenty nineteen. So I think it's yeah. it's it's still like it's still a buy for me. Like I'm still in. But I just don't know if there's, like, even 20 homer pop in the bat. Yeah, I'm wondering because he's already eclipsed his previous season high on steals. If, you know, maybe he's, he's going to start contributing more in that department of, like, average and speed. Like it, Maybe he's like a to- the- Tommy Edmond. Like, is that is that Pete Gavin Lux? Like, do we have to, like, just reassess what he is as, like, a, a potential prospect and, and what his peak is looking like? Well, now Tommy Edmonds yeah, peak Tommy is, is moving that bar up. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I think just when you see what what he's done in past years versus this year, 
you know, in 50 games, he's got five steals and six attempts, batting 296, much, much better contact rate. So it's like, to me, I, I'm wondering if, yeah, we maybe just need to reassess and, and think, could this be 15, 20 steals, yeah. maybe 10 homers? Um, the counting stats are a little bit of a, a roulette with batting ninth, but also batting in the Dodgers lineup. So, yeah, I think it's it's serviceable. Again, I think it's based on team need, but there are guys with much less upside that Agreed. you can add at this time of the year. Yeah, it just right? might not be the power upside that we thought with Lux. Like looking at his like just Fangraphs page, like you know the homer total, it's like seven, eleven, four, and then twenty nineteen twenty six. You know, like it, right. it, it's the outlier. That's the outlier um, there, but. Still, uh, you know, as he as he matures too, you know, he's still just what um, 24. 24 years old. So like the power peak is still ahead of him. Like, sure, I think uh, uh, the, the the best Gavin Lux season might be a twenty twenty season with like a three hundred average, which is really really good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about um, another help for speed in John Birdie, and Steve. This has kind of been your your name recently, and for good reason. 10 swipes in the last 30 days. This feels like classic John Birdie, man. Yeah. Is this one any different or is this, uh, you know, back to the well for the, the, the steel specialist for, for Roto help? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember uh, in, in 2020, or at least heading into the, the, the season, there was a lot of hype around Birdie because he had six homers and 17 steals and 73 games. And, like, that was, like, the last 73 games of the season pretty much. That was, like, uh, you know, the Marlins just played him every day and – um, you know, they weren't good, so uh, it, it was exciting. But that might be coming to fruition now. Uh, he's playing every day, batting first against a lot of lefties, um, sitting sixth or seventh first righties, um, and is stealing a ton of bases. Uh, with you know an average in OPS that isn't, isn't going to kill you. Two seventy eight and seven ninety six, seven ninety eight on the year. Um, the best walk rate of his career, which you love to see for a guy that that steals bases, like this yeah. might be what I, you know, what I hoped for Jorge Mateo, um, just with much better plate skills and you know a, a guy that isn't going to hit around 220, um, even if the power uh, kind of you know levels off like it sort of has in the last two weeks. You know, it's been just a. Uh, uh, you know, a 660 OPS over the last 30, but 758 over the last 14. So, like, for a guy that stole 10 bases, that is, you know, must roster, essentially. Yeah, and even with that, I think the the barrel rates are, are kind of encouraging where, you know, so far this season he's at, like, a 7% barrel rate, which, of course, is average, but coming off all the other seasons when he's been, like, a 3% barrel mm-hmm. rate guy, um yeah, it's upside and a hit tool that, like you said, is kind of what we were hoping for Mateo. I think that's a great call. So let's move over to some pitchers, Steve. And I know we're uh, kind of running a shorter episode tonight, but I think we got to talk about Graham Ashcraft because Ashcraft in just five starts has put together a really nice ERA with a 222, uh, a 102 whip, and the strikeouts haven't really been there, but it seems like there might be a little bit room for more. This this one, as we talk about the the whole stream and see what happens, he's been one lately that we've been saying it's like a pop up pitcher that it's definitely worth taking a shot. But what are your thoughts on the twenty four year old for the Reds and 
kind of what you see with his arsenal, his his upside. I know he's kind of had some volatility on his strikeout rates like throughout the minors, but it's been really low so far, so far, which is four and a half strikeouts per nine. Yeah, I think that's got to come up just because of the fact that he has three pitches. He throws the his two fastballs hard, um, a cutter at 98 and a, a, a sinker at like 97 with a slider that gets whiffs and should get more like strikeouts than, than it actually has. It's, it, it's good. I know he said two starts ago he, he, he messed around with it, got some more spin on the slider, uh, and there's been – one game with with good results and then one with, with without good results, but they've been his two best uh, um, strikeout games uh, of 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 the season. At least uh, two of the last three games have been his two best strikeout totals. Uh, still, just five and four, but you know, and it was Arizona and Washington, so not the best opponents. But I, I think mm-hmm. there is some strikeout upside. It's not going to be like a, a strikeout per nine, but might be similar to the twenty or twenty five percent that he's shown in the minors. Um, Kyle Body, who uh, runs Driveline and was a, a pitching coordinator with the Reds, has tweeted about him and, and talked about how Ashcraft loves to work on his craft. No pun intended. I guess pun intended. Whatever. Um, and and we'll, we'll surprise some people. So I, I, I'm in. I, I've streamed and, and, and I'm holding. Um, you know, I, I know there's some tougher matchups coming up. Um, I think he has. He's got Milwaukee uh, next, which shouldn't be yeah, bad. Yeah, Milwaukee and then San Francisco. So it, or it, it's a decent test, and Milwaukee's at home, which isn't great. But um, I know Milwaukee hasn't been as good uh, recently. Uh, they sort of picked it up with Adames coming back uh, on Sunday. But mm-hmm. it, I'll be interesting to see um, what's going on there. I know it was a two-step last week, and he was had one good, one bad uh, versus Arizona and the Cardinals. Uh, but still, uh, I, I'm interested in Ashcraft. I think there might be at least like a league average K side, uh, K, K rate upside, which, yep. uh, you know, with his command, um, is going to be, it would be a really valuable pitcher. Yeah, definitely has, has our attention there. And again, another guy who's, who's pretty available out there. Uh, let's talk about his teammate, Steve Hunter Green. This one, uh, was absolutely on the radar coming into this season, uh, it looked pretty ugly, and while the velocity was there, he was getting hit really hard, and he still is kind of prone to some of those blowups. But we've really seen probably his best two-start stretch of the season. He he kind of goes hot cold, but his last outing at St. Louis, which has been a really tough mm-hmm. offense, five innings, seven strikeouts, a one-eight ERA. Before that, he got to pick on the Diamondbacks, but he did what you wanted him to with seven innings, eight strikeouts and a shutout there, uh, just a .14 whip, so that must have been like a one-hitter. Um, so what are you seeing? Are you seeing any developments or tweaks for Hunter Green? Because this is a guy that has the skills and, and kind of the basically the stuff and the velocity to be much higher rostered than the 55% mm-hmm. that he's at right now. So uh, what are your thoughts on Hunter Green? Yeah, there was a pick mix change. Uh, at the end of April, he started throwing his slider more. Uh, I think it's been his primary pitch since then. Um, he still doesn't have that third pitch, um, which I think the you know development of the changeup is what's needed and probably what will happen to take him from you know what he is to the elite top 10 starting pitcher that I think most people think he will be. Um, you know, I would be buying in any dynasty league 
period, just because the upside is that, mm-hmm. and I think he will get there eventually. But with that pitch mix change, there's been you know uh, a, a lot less blowups. The, the walks haven't really been there. It's been two walks or fewer in five straight, and uh, zero walks, I think, in two of those starts, which is really good. Um, he also hasn't given up a home run since 526. I think he gave up like three home runs in that one. Um, and it was like still a good start outside of those three home runs. I know that it's not a good start when you give up three home runs, but trust right. me, it, it was better compared to what you've seen from Hunter Green. There was no walks in that one either. Uh, so he's starting to figure it out. Like he's learning how to deal with it, uh, you know, uh, where to locate his fastball. I know there was a lot of talk about like the shape of it, but like, you know, it's still a 99 mile an hour fastball. It's, it's going to be good. Um, and Hunter Green's going to figure it out and I think starting to figure it out. Well, let's talk about another one that is kind of in the same category as Hunter Green in terms of just the velocity and the stuff. And it's Spencer Strider, who has now found himself with a nice opportunity in the rotation for the Braves. And yeah, he kind of has that, you know, the the, the common flaws of a stuffist like this, where sometimes it can be wobbly from a command standpoint. But in his three starts, seven strikeouts, five strikeouts, and eight strikeouts. And really, it's looked terrific the past two starts at Coors and then home against the Pirates. But Spencer Strider, for me, Steve, is just a a rush to the wire because of how good this stuff is. The 52% whiff rate on the slider, uh, the fastball that sits 98.3, which is up from last year. I think we were all just kind of like, you know, he's almost the Tanner Houck that we wanted yes. this season, but they've just flip-flopped on kind of the relief versus the starting pitchers. But um, Strider, it, it seems like, is definitely worth the upside shot, um, in my opinion. And, yeah, another guy who's just kind of under-rostered at the moment. But what are your what are your thoughts yeah, on Yeah, it, it looks like Hunter Green, just like with a little bit better fastball command like you look at their uh, plot charts I know that's not like the greatest thing to look at just because it varies from start to start overall but like Strider just peppers the top of the zone with that fastball and looks like he has slightly better fastball command uh, I still like Green better long term um, and the same issue sort of exists for the fact that Strider doesn't have that third pitch but he really doesn't need it with that fastball and uh, and, and, and slider um, sure there might be some, some blow ups just because there are like some high walk outings um that may come back to bite him but yeah i would be absolutely grabbing everywhere i was stashing strider holding him as a reliever and you know uh on the carousel actually ended up not having currently any shares uh um i think i got him in like uh raz slam or something at one of the fat periods but uh, other mm-hmm. than that not much and regretting it well let's round out steve with a couple names that have you know kind of been on the radar for five years and <laughs> hover in the the range of irrelevant, but we've seen some promise recently from Nick Nick Pavetta. Last five starts at 2.45 ERA, um, a, a 2.11 ERA in May versus a brutal 8.27 in April. Uh, any interest in Pavetta or the other one being Ross Stripling with Hyunjin Ryu out for the year? Uh, Stripling is kind of in that stream ballpark. I think he has the Yankees up next, which would be pretty rough um but what are your thoughts between pavetta and stripling any interest here uh and maybe next to some of the other names we've talked about ashcraft green strider 
how would you kind of assess and compare these guys? Um, I definitely like Pavetta. I think probably the best. Um, Strider and Hunter Green, I think I like for upside more. I think Pavetta may come down to earth. He has had stretches like this, especially last year, and then sort of fell apart in the second half. Um, but it, it's been really encouraging the last few starts. Uh, he's decreased the curveball movement uh, and bumped up his fastball and slider. And his fastball has a negative 10 run value this year, which is really, really good. Um, so you kind of like to see that that pitch mix change to him relying on that heater, heater more. Um, and it's coincided with better results. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of, I, I was, you know, I felt trapped to the Nick Pavetta America sleeper like four years in a row, like, you know, back mm-hmm. when he first came up. So I've kind of been out on him since. But I think, uh, you know, it's safe to be back in on Pavetta, uh, you know, no questions asked. Pavetta over Strider for you? Um, no, I, I'd rather have Strider. I'd rather have Strider. I, that's where I'm at, but I, I do. It's close, though, and, like, probably yeah. the the better play is, like, the boring play. It probably is. Uh, Strider for ceiling, Pavetta for floor, as much of a cop-out answer that is. Okay, that's fair. All right, well, I think that rounds us out. Anything uh, else to add, Steve? I know we got uh, life coming at us fast uh, outside of fantasy realm but uh yeah it's great talking some of these mid-june heat check names and hopefully uh some really good value here for you know middle middle of the roster additions yeah yeah uh good to get back to like uh you know the the meat and bones of our show like we said earlier like the the player analysis discussing like uh interesting guys uh it's great to get back to that after doing more high level shows not not that i don't like those too um but yeah uh it'll, it'll be fun uh glad uh glad we did it and looking forward to to talking some more and seeing how these guys play out yes and we will be back next thursday every thursday you guys can always email us winsabovefantasy at gmail.com if you want any topics on here otherwise you can follow us on twitter at winsabovepod i'm at van underscore verified and steve is at stav 8818 on behalf of steve jaswelli Signing off for Wins Above Fantasy, episode 60. Thanks so much, guys, for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.